0: This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
1: You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is Bill Lack, and this week we're pleased to have another one of our spotlight players with us here in the Red Leg Nation Radio studio, actually by phone today, Mr. Logan Parker. Logan, glad to have you with us today.
0: Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Logan, tell us how your offseason's been.
0: It's been a good off season. has uh, been short, which is good, after the year that I had. I'm just excited to get back and, uh, you know, get the baseball thing started up again. Working random jobs, things like that substitute teaching here and there, uh, you know, it's just not the life for me. It's not the life I want to live, so I'm going to try uh, to get baseball started again.
1: You said you were substitute teaching. Uh, what were you teaching?
0: Um, actually, I've only done it once so far. It's kind of tough to um, get a job, but it was orchestra class, so I didn't actually teach anything. I just kind of told the kids to split up in their sections, and they pretty much knew what they did. Uh, junior
1: high school, high school, what?
0: Um, I was a Fairfield senior, and then um, so I did the high school kids, and then I left and went to the freshman kids. Oh, wow! For the last period of the day, so the freshman kids were interesting to say the least.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Logan, you you mentioned your two thousand and nine season, and none of it wasn't what any of us expected when you came out of spring training last year. Tell tell us about your nine year.
0: Oh, uh, had a good spring saw the ball well, um, you know, had at least two hits every game, it just seemed like if there was an MVP for spring training, I would have won it, but, at the same time, you know, spring training doesn't carry over into the season, and uh, stats don't count, so, when the year started, I had a good, a good, uh, a good April, and started to kind of hit that roller rollercoaster ride come May, and, uh, just never seemed to, um, find the stroke that I needed, and never seemed to be able to, uh, find a consistent approach and a consistent swing that would work out for me.
1: Was there, was there anything you could attribute your struggles to? Um,
0: the, the one thing that sticks out on mind is just possibly to move to the outfield, trying to learn a new position and trying to learn um, to deal with the adjustments that need to be made at the plate and things like that. I'm trying to learn basically two things at once when, you know, I was completely new to the outfield when first base was so, <clears throat> came natural to me, and then moving to the outfield was just, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, it was kind of a zoo at first. It was kind of a circus, but I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it.
1: Did I read that, that you had something with your eyes in the off season?
0: Yeah, I got contacts. Uh, my girlfriend's been telling me for years to uh, go get my eyes checked, and I finally did that kind of to humor her and see what would happen with it, and ended up having a pretty bad stigmatism. My vision's not completely awful, but I guess the was is what, uh, which really hurt me, made everything real blurry and things like that. So, I got that corrected with um, contacts. I'm pretty, I would say, ninety-eight percent used to them now. I still have my struggles. Every once in a while, getting get them in and out, but yeah, just it's a whole new whole new world out there once I once I got contacts. Can Can you tell the
1: difference in your off-season hitting?
0: Absolutely. Um, not squinting anymore when I stare at the pitcher. I found myself doing that quite a bit, especially during day games. You know, it gets kind of tough for uh, all hitters. But, I mean, night games, ever everything, I was constantly squinting at the pitcher, which could contribute to migraines that I've had, you know, since I've been in pro ball. And I usually get them during the summer with stress and things like that. So, but, uh, you know, the eye doctor told me that, you know, it should help with the migraines so I won't be squinting anymore to see. But I see the ball extremely well now so I'm, I'm very excited
1: didn't you tell me that you you were still having a little trouble with the shoulder last year too
0: yeah i ended up wearing a brace um that kozart found when he was in dayton um just kind of a brace that wraps around it's pretty uncomfortable when you first start wearing it but after a while i mean you get used to it but at the same time you never really get used to a brace it's not as it's not as free as you know being yourself and having to swing um, with nothing else on. But, you know, it worked out. I used it to the best I could, but it definitely wasn't, um, wasn't an ideal situation with the way my shoulder responded last year. Do,
1: do you think that the, that the presence of having a, a number one draft pick play in the same position you are, that was playing a, a level below you, and, and I'm sure there was a lot of talk about him, uh, could that have contributed to maybe you putting too much pressure on yourself?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, early on, I, I kind of thrived on the pressure and, you know, succeeded because of that pressure, maybe saying that I had the spring that I had because, um, because uh, you know, there was a chance that I may be back in high A, and, you know, I was earn, trying to fight for a spot to earn a, to earn a first base spot in a uh, double A and just kind of beat him out. But for whatever the situation was, you know, teammates and things like that talking and and why is is it yonder here? Well, Parker's coming here. You know, just little things like that throughout the clubhouse. Um, Even when I was doing well in April, it started kind of getting to me a little bit, but not as much as the overall moves to the outfit, I think, affected more than anything.
1: But, I mean, it almost sounds like you had a a perfect storm. I mean, you had the the position change, you had a little bit of the shoulder problem, you had the pressure of. of, of Yonder playing in, you know, Sarasota and, you know, all the number one hype and a and bit of the shoulder problems. I mean, it just seems like everything that possibly could have went wrong for you went wrong. Yeah,
0: 2000, uh, 2009 was this the season. Uh, I'll choose to remember that, that's for
1: sure. You're not, you're not putting that one in your scrapbook.
0: No, there isn't no a scrapbook for 2009.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you, you know, when, you, and I know you've told me this is the first year that you've really, that you've struggled playing baseball. But but when you're struggling like you did last year, and it gets late in the year, do you really have to to make yourself go out there and work hard, or, or is there a, a feeling or an impulse to to just say the hell with it? You know, I'll get them next year. I'll you know I'm going to just write this year off and, and and coast to the end of the year.
0: You no, know, I've always been a, a work ethic kind of guy. You know, extremely hard worker, and I take pride in doing that. With whether it be in the outfield or defense or. On the field, off the field, whether it's in the weight room or anything, um, work ethic's never really been a problem for me. So finding the motivation to um, continue to keep going once you know I started struggling, and especially towards the end of the year when it gets hot and you know the dog days of August that everybody talks about, and uh, you know finding that motivation—it wasn't really that hard for me. It, it, I never really shut it down and just said, you know what, hey, next year's a new year. There's you know nothing in this game is. Is it ever guaranteed? You learn that. I learned it the hard way with the injury, but at the same time, no, I never really just completely shut it down and said, you know, I'll get them next year. I never really gave up.
1: I'm just looking at your stats. You played career high in games last year. You played 125 games. Did you feel more worn down at the end of the year than you you had in the past?
0: Uh, Physically, a little bit, just with my shoulder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that was the only physical problem I had, but mentally worn down, I was absolutely drained. Um, just being on that roller coaster, like I said, of a year, it was more mentally draining than physically. I mean, I didn't even, the physical part maybe even just didn't even dawn on me how tired I was because I was so mentally drained, but, you know, that motivation that, it, that uh, all the naysayers out there saying that I can't do it anymore really... Uh, has lit my fire a lot this spring train or this off season and uh <clears throat> got me excited, you know, ready to head into spring.
1: Can you can you pull anything positive out of last year?
0: Absolutely. Um you know, you look a lot about yourself, about your character, about you know, the people around you who say that they're supporters and things like that. Um, I learned a lot to deal with what adversity of one moving to the outfield and trying to learn a new position and the only way it's actually struggling and hitting 200 and things like that and getting, you know, I always joke saying that I was going to go on a diet just so I can keep hitting my weight, like I didn't want to drop below <laughs> my my batting average couldn't drop below my weight, but you know, it was just little jokes like that you learn to have fun with it because if, I mean, if you let the game get to you um, like it can and like it did a little bit at times, um, you know, skin can really beat you up. So learned a lot with just dealing how to uh, deal with the adversity.
1: Did you get a lot of support from the, the coaching staff and and, managers, and your manager down there in Carolina? Oh uh, yeah,
0: I've had I worked with Jackson in Sarasota, so we've had a good relationship. Um, and David Belt was kind of a team joke that I was in his office more than he was in his office. You know, he called me all the time. He was following me around during batting practice, you know. He's one of those guy, kind of guys that's a real quiet, soft-spoken guy, but when he talks to you, you listen. Because he's been there, he's, he's fresh out of the big leagues, and he knows what it takes. And uh, He's a great motivator, and you know, just some of the stuff that he told me, the encouraging words that he told me, you know, to, uh, to not shut it down and not give up on everything, um, really, really helped me uh, continue to keep going. You think he's got a future in moving up as a manager? I don't see why not. I've uh, I've always said that I've played for you know great managers since I was drafted. I had Rick Burleson and Billings, who was a proven winner. Donnie Scott, the same way in Dayton. You know he holds the record for most wins by a Dayton manager. Um, Joe Aarolt in Sarasota, a winner. You know all these guys were great managers, great guys off the field, great guys to be around in the clubhouse. But by far, I would say David Bell's my absolute favorite personally. And from speaking with other guys who have been around him, they all have the same praise for him.
1: So, you're getting ready to head out to Arizona here shortly. Have you done anything different to prepare this year or in your in your off-season work?
0: Uh, I've changed the swing again. Something that I've, I've become real comfortable with. Working with Leon Durham and uh, Lee May Jr., a couple of guys who are who are local, but at the same time are minor league hitting um, instructors as well. So the swing is one thing. That's obviously major. But um, in the weight room, I've changed a lot as far as the leg workouts. I've just concentrated more on getting that strength from my legs and my core and things like that. And also um, changed up my shoulder routine. I I don't do just uh, the standard five-pound weights on – your shoulders like pitchers would do after they come out of a ball game. I uh, I've stepped it out and started doing more press and things like that. Above your head, the director really wants you to do
1: it. Is that to develop well, muscles around that part of the shoulder where you've had trouble to, to, to support that, that area?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, shoulder, the shoulder actually kept sliding in and out of place, which was what the brace was going to supposedly fixed but obviously didn't. Um, so when I put on when I went and reevaluated my oxygen workouts, I just thought that making all the muscles around it, whether it's the little small muscles or the big muscles, anything I could do to strengthen it, to help support it and keep it in a place would be beneficial in the long run.
1: Going back to last season again uh, for a second, when you're when you're struggling Can you have a tendency to try to change too much or or change too often to try to to get over, you know, to get back on track?
0: Absolutely. I had, um, it seemed like I had a new swing every two or three days if it didn't work you know, in a couple of games that I just got through playing. there, I tried everything. I've even joked with um, Ron Jackson saying that I would hit right-handed. I would come in and do anything I could just to get that batting average back up and start getting on base and you know, stealing more bases, hitting doubles and home runs—anything I could do, I would do it. But yeah, I definitely pressed and definitely changed too many things that I should have just found something and stuck with it.
1: So, to so tell us where your confidence level is going into spring training,
0: at an all-time high. I uh, just hit with with Mr. girl today, and he told me something that he hasn't—he doesn't—he's not a big give-you-praise kind of guy. He doesn't pat you on the back a whole lot. When he tells you, hey, you're swinging the bat well or this is something you should work on, but one thing he told me today that got me fired up was not if. He said, I want to emphasize when. When you make it to the big leagues, I want you to remember who helps get you there. And so he's, he's saying with the swing that that he's taught me and you know he's helped kind of mold together this offseason – he wants me to help, you know, to remember him when I get there with that swing. So my confidence level is at an all-time
1: high. And for for the guys that that don't know who you're talking about, this is Leon Durham, the, the, a Cincinnati guy from went to Woodward High School, uh, played many years for the for the Cubs. I think he was a, an All Star a number of times. I didn't look it up. Uh, he got a cut in towards the end of his career. He got a cup of coffee with the Reds, I believe. I don't think he was with the Reds very long, but. He he was a hitter. Uh, I can remember watching him play, and he was a hitter. So, uh, do you feel a a different sense of urgency going into spring training than you have in the past?
0: I don't think so. I just think that, you know, with the year the way I had last year, obviously wasn't ideal. But at the same time, I don't feel – I'm not trying to put any more added pressure on myself saying – if I go into spring training and don't hit 800, then something bad is going to happen. I feel like if I go in and control what I can control and use the swing that I've got now, then everything else will just take care of itself. Do you
1: ex- you expect to start the year in, in Double A?
0: Yeah, I feel that way. Um, I feel that Yonder and Dorn will probably be split the time and and. Um, in Louisville, and you know that that puts me back in double A which is fine. I've got some unfinished business with uh, with the Southern League and with that ballpark there in Carolina. So I'm excited to get back there and show everybody what I can do.
1: Uh, I just looked it up. Leon Durham was an all star in eighty two and eighty three, won a silver slugger in eighty two, and was third in the National League in batting average in eighty two. Just Yeah, you can hear it. yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about the the, uh, the Southern League for a minute. Is the worst thing about playing in that league the bus trips?
0: The worst about playing in that league for the Carolina Mudcats are the bus trips.
1: Because you're so uh, far out on one end of the
0: league, we're completely away from everyone else. Our shortest trip six and a half hours, and that's to Tennessee or to Chattanooga. So we get kind of the raw end of the deal, but it's, I mean. Our travel is definitely not ideal by any means. Yeah, we have sleeper buses, but that's after, plus a game at home, grab a quick bite, to eat, jump on a bus, drive down to, let's say, the shortest trips in Tennessee. We get off the bus at 7 o'clock in the morning, and you're on the field at 2 o'clock for, you know, stretching and your early hitting and things like that. So there's not a whole lot of leisure time, I guess, for, for the guys in Carolina. You know, Chattanooga was always nice, I've heard. Most of their trips are two hours, two and a half at most, so nobody what's likes, Carolina doesn't like traveling, and nobody likes coming to Carolina, just because the distance. That, the what's the longest trip? Uh, Birmingham, I would say. Birmingham or Mobile, any of those trips down in Alabama, are, and then West Tennessee, things like that, they're 12 and a half, probably 12 hours. That's a so that that repeats the Billings days, but you've got more of them Billings You did it once. Yeah, here and, you do it. When
1: you'd have to go out that way, would you hit all of them out that way? You know, in a in a, in a trip, or would you go out and come back and then go back out and come back?
0: You hit two. You'll hit at least two teams, so you'll have a ten game road trip. You'll play maybe get ours. We had Birmingham, and I can't think maybe Mobile or somebody like that. Or no, we opened up in Mississippi and then went to Mobile after that, and then came home. Had an off day and came home. So, yeah, you, you'll hit two teams, but you have to go back out there eventually. Yeah.
1: So And I assume that, that because of the length of, or how long the tri- the bus trips are, that's why you play five-game series probably?
0: Yeah, I would think so.
1: Yeah. Now, I know the Florida State League has a reputation as a pitcher's league. Is there any kind of reputation that you have, know about the Southern League? Is it known as a pitcher's league or a hitter's league, or, or does it vary from ballpark to ballpark?
0: I would say it would vary from ballpark to ballpark. Chattanooga um, is a great place to hit. Um, Jacksonville in Florida is a huge ballpark, so it's not ideal for hitters. Um, Carolina, not ideal for hitters. Even in the warm months, just doesn't, it just doesn't travel very well in the gaps. Uh, I felt that Sarasota, the ball carried better in Sarasota than it does in Carolina. So wow. if that tells you anything about yeah. about the ballpark in Carolina... Even with the 309-foot fence down in right field, nobody hooks balls down that line. There's not many cheap home runs. If you hit it down a line, it would get out anyways if it was even 330. So there's not a whole lot of cheap home runs down that right field line. Was
1: was that the first year in a new ballpark last year?
0: Yeah, they completely redid everything, put up a new fence, redid the grass. I mean, basically a brand-new ballpark and kept the same bleachers. That was about it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, well, your your draft class has kind of gotten spread out throughout the organization now. You know, Stubbs is on the, is on the big club, and looks like he may be the starting center fielder and leadoff hitter. Um, there's there's four guys that finished the year in AAA, and, and four of you finished in A. Do you feel like your career is still on schedule as to where you wanted to be at this point? Uh, yeah, I've always
0: said that I don't want to repeat levels unless it's due to an injury like I've done before. But at the same time, I'm um, 25, going into AA, I'll finish the year, hopefully by my 18th birthday, or 18th, <laughs> hopefully by my 26th birthday on July 18th, I won't be in Carolina anymore. Hopefully um, I'll be able to prove myself and, and find a way out of there to uh, progress up to A. But, yeah, I feel like my career is on the same path. After being in A. AA, this year you never realize how many tournament there really are guys that are 30 32 I mean 27 every, there's age differences all over the place in double-A with guys who are constantly just there whether it's because younger kids are on the 40 man in front of them there's no roster spots but there's it's, it's quite a few old guys in double-A and I don't want to be one of them by any means but uh, yeah I still feel like my career is on the same, on the right track Look. Well,
1: With 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 Joey Votto putting up big numbers with the Reds, and he's kind of solidified his position there. And with the the money, at the very least, with the money they paid yonder, do you think at this point that your future is probably in the outfield if you're in in this organization?
0: Uh, I said before, I don't, I don't necessarily know if my future is with the Reds. Uh, I will say that my future, I feel, is in the major leagues, somewhere with some organization. I'll be a contributor to whatever team I'm with, whether it be with the Reds or not. I feel like my future is in the major league. Do you like playing the outfield? Left field. Uh, not, so, not so much of a fan of right field, but left field, yeah, I like left field. I like it when it's not my everyday position. If I play it once or twice a week, it's, it's okay. But, you know, first first base is always going to be home to me. And then going out to the outfield once it became my everyday position, uh, it put a whole new spin on things.
1: You talk about the difference between right and left field. Is it is it is there a difference the way the ball comes off the bat? I mean, picking the ball up, or or, or what exactly it's is the difference between for you between playing left and right?
0: It's obviously like your lateral movement. Which way you go better to get a ball? and at the same time, it's the way the ball slices. If a right-hander hits it and you're playing right, it's just going to slice a little bit, Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to. I mean, if you spend more time out there, you know, if I spend more time out there this spring than than I did last spring and obviously during the season, then I'll feel more comfortable with it. The reason first base is so great to me, and I feel I'm really good defensively, is because I've played it my whole life. So given more time in the outfield, I'll be able to figure it out as well.
1: Well, you're leaving for spring training here in a week or so. And uh, tell are you excited about going to Arizona and seeing the new the new facility and, and, and checking out a, a new home for the Reds?
0: Absolutely. Minnesota um, so was dated. Uh, the ballparks weren't more spectacular. The minor league side of it was nasty, to say the least, with, with just roaches and the clubhouse wasn't ideal. So, yeah, I'm excited for a new start and a new beginning.
1: Yeah, I was. I'm sure you you saw the article in the Cincinnati paper. They did a, they did a big preview on the new spring spring training. And aren't there two clubhouses for the minor leaguers? And there's like two teams in each clubhouse.
0: Yeah, so it's, apparently it's split between AA and AAA, and then there's an ball side
1: of it. Yeah, that's kind of what I had read too. Which sounds like it'll be a vast improvement over over what you lived with in Sarasota.
0: Yeah, the only thing in Sarasota you're split by are rows. So one row is triple A, one row double A, one row is high and one row one row is low A and billing. So all those kids, like hundred and seventy kids shoved into one locker room. It uh it gets pretty pretty interesting I would say. And the smell <laughs> is, is also another thing I don't even want to get into. Yeah,
1: I guess we don't we don't need to talk about that. No. Um I'll tell you what, tell us, with your experience in, in the Reds organization, tell us about some guys that you, you really think can hit, that, that, uh, that their offensive skills have really impressed you. Uh,
0: Francisco is obviously number one. I feel up and down, Just he'll hit for average because they talk about his plate discipline, but he hits balls that are two inches off the ground, he hits them out. Um, guys in the big leagues just don't miss that bad. So when he got to the big leagues last year and got a shot, he raked because when they miss out of the zone, they don't miss two inches off the ground. I mean, they're all the way around the zone. And if you throw a strike around the plate with that kid hitting, he's going to hit it a mile. Um, it
1: sounds like similar to the Guerrero.
0: He's Vladimir Guerrero, in a nutshell, from the left side, just flat out can hit. Got great hands, great strength, power to all fields, can hit. Um, Frazier's another guy, not pretty. Um, a lot of the times, Frazier, it looks weird. You put it on film, it's not what you're going to teach in a hitting video. But at the same time, the kid puts up great numbers and, you know, had whatever, 40-something doubles last year and, you know, 15 some home runs. I mean, Frazier could flat-out hit. Heisey, with the adjustment that he made last year in spring training, was obviously took off and had a breakout year. So those are the three guys that really stick out for me.
1: Which pitchers in your in the organization have impressed you?
0: Um, this year was my first year to, pit, to uh, play behind Wood. And obviously he had a great year. Everybody's high on him right now. But just the way he went about, this, about himself and about his game. And, uh, you know, he's always around the zone. He pounds the zone. So those games that he pitches, he didn't give up any runs, which makes it quick. But at the same time, he pounds the zone. And so you're not out there standing when he's walking twelve guys in one in you know one outing. So mm-hmm. Travis Wood is one Clinker. Uh, he's the same kind of way. He's a you know just a big right hander. Obviously he throws harder than I thought he ever threw. He's got better stuff than I thought he ever had when I first saw him pitch. But he continues to impress. And as a reliever, a guy you know I even kind of forgot about, but was on Jerusik. The guy was a day away from getting released in spring training, and they told him, hey, you have two weeks to figure it out. And the kid got with Brown down in Saracota and learned a cutter, and now he's still in 95, and nobody can hit him. So, yeah, he, he, had, he
1: had some amazing statistics last
0: year. And it was on basically the cutter and a slider. He had two pitches. He was mostly kind of like a Mario Rivera, just here's my cutter. I want to throw it 93 to 95 and see if you can hit it.
1: Like we did with Matt last week, uh, Logan, we took some questions from our from the guys that read the blog and I'm gonna hit you with a couple of those. Um, Greg asked he said he's curious about your stolen base attempts He said you, that you attempted uh, fourteen steals in '07 seven with I think with Dayton and you swiped and you were thirteen out of fourteen, but in two thousand eight you only had four tries and then last year you were back with double digits in attempts. And he, he was kind of wondering whether this was a, a, you know, due to the aggressiveness or the style of the manager or, or, or whether you were allowed to go on your own or, or how, how you how you fit into the running game.
0: Well, A lot of it is the manager. Um, Donnie Trout was very vocal and adamant about he wanted everybody on his team to have double-digit skills. He thought all of us could do it. Um, so a lot of it was him either giving me the sign or me not knowing the sign, thinking he gave it to me, and I would just take off. <laughs> so that that actually happened quite a bit. but Which is fine know, was, as long as you're safe. Right, and I get to third, and he kind of looked at me, wondering what I was doing there, and I was just telling him, hey, sorry, right? and I told him, he's like, what are you doing still in second? I, said, I mean, you gave me the sign, Donnie, what do you mean? And he said, you know, I didn't give you the sign. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here, so let's not worry about it. And You know, kind of pat him on the back and laugh about it. But um, as far as the O eight 8 season, I just come back on <laughs> shoulder surgery. Um and that's how I hurt myself. Was diving back into the bag. Right. So, Playoff game. I didn't get that big lead, and I was absolutely—I mean, I was scared. For lack of a better words, I was scared to get a big lead because I didn't want to have to dive back into the bag. And then this year, you know, David Bell was. When you're in the National League in Double A, you're trying to uh, produce runs any way you can, and just my part in the lineup. I was down in the you know the sixth hole, you know, sometimes seven, sometimes five, just. All around, but at the same time, I was in a position where if we had two outs and our 7-hole hitter was up or, you know, anything like that, I could try to swipe second, and if I get there, then great. You know, he gets a chance to drive me in. And if not, then that guy can come back up and lead off the next inning instead of the 8- or 9-hole guy doing it.
1: Do you enjoy being part of the running game?
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, in fact, I can catch people by surprise. They just look and see a bigger guy. They're not you know, assume that I can't run. But, yeah, there's there's a couple better feelings, obviously, in baseball, but one of the good feelings about the game is, you know, swiping second and then standing up, you know, dusting yourself off and looking at the pitcher who's looking at you like, how the hell did you just still that today? But, yeah, I enjoy it. It's fun.
1: When you're hitting, does it bother you if, if, if the guy on first is working on his lead and drawing a lot of throws and, and, and getting the pitchers, you know, kind of taken away from you at the plate?
0: No, not at first. Um, He's just trying to get to second if he's going to steal, and that gives me a chance to drive him in and get more RBIs. But if the guys are second, dancing around, then that's in my vision. and Yeah, that kind of messes with guys, me especially. But, you know, you see something going on behind the pitcher, it makes it a little bit harder to focus. But at first, no, it doesn't really bother me.
1: Okay, moving on a little bit. Uh, Greg, uh, Another question from Greg is, is is there a a Cincinnati Reds organizational hitting strategy?
0: Yep. Um, It it got brought over when Ronnie Hortagon, our minor league coordinator, came over from the Rangers organization, and he came with Harmeo, who was the hitting coach in Dayton last year. And they learned what they're teaching us from Harmeo, who was with the Rangers and now with the Cubs in the big leagues. Um, it's a philosophy that is tough to understand at times, but if you can master it, it's it's awesome. Obviously the Rangers have a great hitting team, you know, every year and I'm sure the Cubs will this year, but at the same time it was something I dedicated four hundred at-bats to last year and didn't have the success I wanted to, so I'm not gonna say I'm not I'm not coachable, I'm not willing to um to still listen, but there's some things that at the end of the day, I need to figure it out on my own, and that philosophy just doesn't work for everybody. You know, baseball is not a game where you can make people robots. You know, there's a lot of things that work for some people and don't work for others. So, you know, it's all about trying to make your own. I would say your own approach at the plate, make your own swing work with theirs, kind of you kind of mesh the two of them together.
1: Yeah, kind of a very, yeah, kind of vary off of what they what they want you to
0: do. Right.
1: Um. Do the instructions or drills change from level to level of what they want you to do?
0: No, I've, uh, I've always said I've done the same drills since I was you know 12 years old. And when I give lessons to 10, 11, 12-year-olds in the offseason, I do the same drills that I do you know before one of my games. So, no, the drills are the exact same.
1: What about from hitting coach to hitting coach? Does that vary what you're going to do?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, One hitting coach may be big on, you know, mechanics and things like that. Jackson's very big on that, which is good. And some hitting coaches are big on the middle game, which Darren Bragg, he's our outfield coordinator now, and he was my hitting coach in Dayton. He was huge on just the middle part, you know, telling yourself how great of a hitter you are and nobody can get you out when you're hitting 200. It doesn't matter. Like, you're still the best player at the ballpark. And, you know, he's always telling you how great you are and that you're going to succeed. So that was also, I mean, just as effective, so. Yeah, very from coach to coach.
1: Um, Tom D. asks if there are any things in the, that the Reds organization teaches or stresses that they consider, quote-unquote, Cincinnati Reds baseball.
0: Um, the fundamentals of the game, playing the game the right way, breaking out double plays, uh, just things like that. Uh, hitting the cutoff and taking the extra base when it's a ground ball to right and you're on first, you know, going first to third. Extending innings that way, you know, counting the strike zone for pitchers. Um, hitters just being aggressive within the zone. Don't expand the strike zone when, you're not, when it's not needed. Driving in the runs, runners on third base, you know, you just work on the fundamentals. Runner on third with less than two outs, you just put a ball on the ground or put a ball in play in the, in the air in the outfield, and you got an RBI. So driving in runs, just things like that. Most organizations, I'm sure, preach it. Obviously, I haven't been with any of them, and don't want to be, but at the same time, yeah, I'm sure everybody preaches. This is like we say, Cincinnati Reds baseball. I'm sure somebody else would say this is Chicago Cubs baseball. So,
1: are these things? Cool. That, are these the kind of things you work on in batting practice? You know, hitting the you know hitting the ball the other way or, or moving the runner over or that kind of thing? Do you put yourself yeah. in situations?
0: Well, you don't even have to put yourself in it. They do it for you. Um, they. Uh, your first round in bad practice every day is two blunts, three up the middle, and then two hitting runs, and then two get them over. So the runner's at second. You're trying to move them over. And then infield in, infield back. So runner's on third, and then you put the infield in. You've got to hit a line drive somewhere. And then infield back, you can just put it on the ground, hit a ground ball. So, yeah, they kind of do all the thinking for you. And, yeah, we work on those kind of things. They mm-hmm. stress them early, especially in spring training.
1: Um, Greg, one of our guys, Greg DS, do you have much access to video in the minors, either for your own swing or for scouting pitchers on opposing teams?
0: Uh, Scouting pitchers, not so much. Uh, In fact, I've probably never seen it. But, yeah, with your own swing, you can go in, and that's one of the things that pitchers do on the off day for your own team is instead of just sitting there eating hot dogs and talking to girls in the stands, they're actually – they're actually filming and doing charts and things like that. So, one arm's job for that day is the camera, and they just, you know, can get your swing and you go in and break it down the next day if you want to. So, yeah, all you got to do is act. But for the most part, yeah, there's video available
1: to us. So you've got, so you've got like a baseline video of, you know, when when you're swinging well, and then if you start having some problems, you can compare those two and see what's changed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then. You know, I was fortunate enough to have Jackson in Sarasota and in Carolina, so he knew my swing when it was going well when we were in Sarasota, and ways to try to. And he had videos, and then we try to put ways together to kind of get it back to where it was in Sarasota when I was doing so well.
1: Uh, One of our guys, Tom, is asking, "Who are some of the minor league managers and coaches who've had the biggest impact on you thus far in your career?"
0: All of them, you take a little bit from all of them. But at the same time, uh, David Bell is one that just obviously sticks out in my mind. Um, I can't think, you know, enough nice things about the guy. And, you know, i would sing his crazier at the top of every mountain if I could. uh, just a great guy, great manager. Um, you know, like I said before, you a great just motivator and just, he finds ways to get the most out of his players, which, uh, which is tough
1: to do sometimes in the minor leagues. As you know, the the Reds have made a concerted effort in the last few years to bring former Reds back into the fold and get them involved with not only uh, the the big league club, but I, I I believe coaching and helping out. You know the guys in the minor leagues. Um, which former Red that you've met? Kind of get, got you get, did you get the biggest charge out of meeting? I mean, did you got the biggest thrill from?
0: Uh, Eric Davis, just with the way he's uh, approachable, I guess you could say he's, he's a personable guy. He's still young at heart. He's the show. He loves everybody. He loves to, you know, he still tapes his wrist and puts on wristbands and has batting gloves in his pocket. So, you know, he thinks everybody that's at that game that day is there to watch him. So, and then just with the help he did with Fraser and I in the outfield, just one day in Birmingham sticks out in my mind when he was running down balls with us and obviously was getting the balls that we had no shot to catch. But he could still run it down. I think if the guy wanted to play off to this day, he still could. I
1: was going to say, the last time I saw him on television, he looked like he could still play.
0: That guy's a freak athlete. He can absolutely fly.
1: Well, that's all we've got, Logan. And, and I, want to, I, I want to, as always, thank you for your time. And, and we know that you're going to have a big bounce back year this year. And, and everyone at Red Leg Nation is pulling for you. And we want to wish you good luck in spring training, and hopefully we can check in with you as the season moves
0: along. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, thanks again for all the support I get from you guys. And, uh, you know, my family and friends, it's always good to have that support group. But, uh, you know, for all the naysayers, I'm just excited to, uh, to get this big season underway.
1: There we go. All right, man. Well, we will talk to you soon, then.
0: Right. All right. Thank you. valentine's day duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit duncan refresher with a cupid's choice donut are you ready for love america runs on duncan price and participation may vary limited time offer it's the kia summer sticker sales event so give your friends something to look at like a b&b with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers